uh, he wrote, Dr. Suresh Kumar, the infection control, the infectious disease consultant in Sungai Buloh, and with us are some doctors in Sungai Buloh. Understand there are about 27 sites contacting in to this Zoom talk. We will go straight to Suresh Kumar, talk about the cases, uh, two cases he has to share, and we are open for discussion. And uh, there's a, in NIH, I, I, CRC in Setia Alam, there are a few doctors as, uh, assisting us. They will let you talk when you signal to them that you want to ask questions. So we shall start uh, with Suresh talking about the cases. Suresh, Um, thanks, Dr. Go. Uh, can I? Yeah, you want to. Maybe control for you. You just say okay. next. Uh, so what I'm what I'm going to do is the next uh, thirty minutes or so, uh, show you show you three cases, two cases that um, that I think uh, shows what kind how what what presentation uh, uh, COVID patients have uh, currently. Uh, can I have the first slide? Okay, so it's a technical error here. It's, it's wound, wound. Yeah, wound. Okay, I guess we shall uh, the screen first. Yeah. Okay. We'll wait for slides to uh, to go through. So what I'm going to do is um, um, show you two two cases um, of patients. One of them we've successfully discharged, uh, and the patient number two. We are still um, uh, still critically ill in our intensive care unit uh, currently. Uh, so the patient number one is a 52-year-old uh, male. Um, he's got the only comorbid he has is uh, bronchial asthma, and um, he his symptoms started on the 27th of Feb. 27th of Feb. Uh, next slide. Okay, 27th of Feb. Uh, he had influenza-like illness. Um, he and something made him think that it could be COVID-19, and he went for went to a private hospital for testing, and uh, we got the results on the 29th, and uh, got admitted on the 29th uh, for COVID. Um, so at that time, our protocol was uh, when somebody has exertional dyspnea, we have to give them uh, the HIV drug Kaletra, right? and uh, so on the 29th he was started on on, on the second he was started on Kaletra because exertional dyspnea. The influenza tests were negative for him at that juncture. Next. So this is a chest x-ray on, on, on 29th when he got admitted. I think um, you, you probably... Go back. Go back. Go back. Slide. Yeah, the moon is... Go back on the slide. Doesn't matter. Uh, so the, the slide earlier is, is normal. Uh, the normal slide. On the fourth, while on day two of Kaletra, it is day six of illness now, um, he still has persistent fever, he has exertional dyspnea, his lungs shows uh, bibasal crepitations, um, and now he needs more oxygen. Uh, he started on face mask oxygen. As you can see, his, his absolute lymphocyte count is, if you might know, the absolute lymphocyte count, the lower limit of normal is 1,100 or 1.1. And so his absolute lymphocyte count is dropping, uh, 1.4, 1.1, and then 1. And if you can see our piece, uh, um, uh, 62 initially started with 62, uh, then went down to went down to 33.7. Uh, my slides are running. Uh, 
lymphocyte counts are dropping. The CRP initially was 62.6 on admission. Subsequently, as you can see, it dropped to 33.7 and slowly inching up. Okay. The creatinine is 115, as you can see. Um, so next slide. Okay, this is the second chest x-ray on the fourth, uh, the one I just now. Okay, as you can see now, there are some, uh, I presume some of you can't see clearly there. So what's happening is there are multifocal opacities, opacities in multiple small, small areas, multifocal opacities all over. And this is, and some of it is, many of it is peripheral. Yeah, as you can see, um, uh, next to the uh, vena, the west, great vessels, there's some sparing. So it is the vessel, the, the opacities are peripheral and opacities are multifocal. Many areas of opacities are there since day six of illness. So it's already on Calatra by now. Next. And so on, 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 uh, on fifth, uh, day fifth of Calatra, uh, he, so he's now on, on, on face mask. He's on day seven of illness. So I just want to point out to you, he, he sort of gets worse on day seven of illness. Um, Rebaverin is added to him at that juncture. We didn't have any other drug at that juncture, so we started Rebaverin. We continued Calitra. Next. On the 7th, which is day 10 of illness, uh, after 10 days of uh, illness, um, um, he gets intubated. Um, so we, we, we managed to get the interferon that we ordered, ordered the previous day, and so Rebaverin was changed to interferon uh, because uh, Rebaverin's oral drug and uh, Interferon is subcutaneous, we decided to give a subcutaneous drug, a parenteral drug. As you can see, the creatinine is slowly creeping up, 119, 210, 250, and 366 by now. The seventh is 366. The CRP, I shared with you earlier, up to 48.3, and it's continued to creep up. So as you can see, just, just ignore the first result, 62.6. Subsequently, you can see the CRPs are slowly going up. But nothing like, nothing like what you see in bacterial infections. The bacterial infections, you'll get 200, 300. But these are similar to viral infections, but slowly creeping up the CRPs, right? Up to now, as you can see, it's 134. Um, the absolute lymphocyte count, on the other hand, is, is it's sort of slowly coming down. You know, intermittently, you see some fluctuations. But general trend, as you can see, is coming down. As I mentioned earlier, the lower limit of normal is 1.1. Okay, and the lower limit of normal. So it's down to half of the below 50% of the lower limit of normal, 0 0.6. Next. The second x-ray again, you may not be able to see clearly, but, but just want to let you know the opacities are worsening. At day 10 of illness, opacities are worsening. Next. Uh, uh, just go back to the previous slide. I thought he's intubators. Go back. Go back. Uh, so, so he's, he's... Day 10. Next slide. Day 10, as, you, as I showed you earlier, day 10 is intubated. Huh? We intubated him. And so, and then, so we gave him interferon as well as um, Calitra. So he's an interferon and Calitra at this juncture. Next. Uh, this is x-rays uh, just before intubation. Next. Okay. On the next day after intubating, so the first day was very high settings. He was managed in a prone position. Um, very next day, ventilatory setting was, was reduced. We were able to reduce the ventilatory setting. And uh, on the 10th, we're able to extubate him. So almost like, uh, almost like, you know, the virus just lets go and, 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 he, and he recovers uh, uh, 
uh, immediately because I don't think the antivirals had uh, much time to work because um, we, we had started Caletra for a long time. We deteriorated while on Caletra um, and uh, the interferon was started. Maybe he probably had interferon doses every other day. So he probably got one dose of interferon. Uh, but by then, uh, you know, he already gets extubated. And you can see his CRP values. Um, um, I've showed you until 134. It continues to go up 250, 370. Patient is getting better. The CRP is still climbing up. And uh, the lymphocyte count is still low. The creatinine uh, uh, peaks at 371, but non-oliguric. is is not oliguric, but the creatinine peaks at 37. So there is some hit against the kidneys in addition to the lungs. Next. And this is the x-ray at uh, day 13 of illness. Um, uh, bit, again, um, uh, multifocal opacities, mainly in the peripheries, the, the central region where like APO, the shadow, perihyla regions are with SPAD. Okay, that's the x-rays. Next. So on the 13th, uh, uh, so day 16 of illness, all antivirals are stopped. He's, we are able to take him off oxygen. As you can see, his lymphocyte count trend uh, zero, uh, starts to slowly go up, 0 0.6, 0 0.8, and 1.1. Uh, on the 13th, you can see, um, um, if, you can re if you remember, his first swab was on the 27th. Uh, and uh, about 12 days later, the swab is still detected, COVID-19 is still detected. 13th and 15th, uh, the COVID is no longer, no longer detected, right? Uh, so it's, it's gone. Next. Next. Okay, this is day 15 x-rays, uh, sort of slightly clearing compared to the day 13 uh, x-ray earlier. Next. Okay, on 17th, uh, day 20, since onset of illness, uh, he gets discharged well. Okay, and so this is a, so this is a patient who comes in with viral-like, uh, it's viral pneumonia, clear-cut viral pneumonia, and uh, we start him on antivirals, continue, which is which is Caletra at that juncture, continues to deteriorate while on antivirals, but um, within two, three, just required intubation for two days and he recovers, maybe spontaneously recovered on his own. Uh, just requiring ventilatory support for two days. Next. Uh, this is the chest x-ray on discharge, uh, complete, almost completely normal. It's all, all the opacities are gone. Okay. Next. That's the first case, right? So now let's, uh, let's look at another case with a different presentation. I'll go through it. Um, so, this is a 58-year-old male, uh, no known medical illness, um, um, uh, and uh, his symptoms are uh, fever, cough that happened on the 2nd of March. 2nd of March. He's admitted on 4th of March. Okay. His CRP is 40, actual lymphocyte count is 1.4, bit lowish. Uh, his creatinine is normal when he, when he comes in. Next. This is chest x-ray on, on the 5th. Uh, uh, a normal chest x-ray, uh, as far as I can see, uh, hyperinflated lungs. With, um, um, and other than that, besides that, nothing else. Day three. Okay, next. Uh, so results comes back as positive on the sixth. Uh, on the ninth, again, you know, as you can see, sort of a pattern now. Huh? People come in quite well. Um, day seven, day, day six, day seven, they start to deteriorate, right? And the, there is some crepitations in the lung at that juncture, right? So we think he's got a pneumonia 
And so we start him on Calitra at that time, right? So that's when we start him on Calitra. The absolute first can mentioned earlier, big lowish 1,400, 1.4. Next. This is a chest X-ray. Um, I'm not sure whether, whether, whether people, people there can see, but um, what, what you can see is, uh, you know, in the, at least in the lower areas, what, this is what we call as ground glass opacities. Uh, it's like a it's like a veil on the chest x-ray uh, that area there's some there is a there's a veil there like a ground glass opacities in the in the lungs so that's another marker uh, not not a not not a consolidation where you will see air bronchograms and all that but uh, just it's like uh, imperfect opacities there next there is day eight of illness so 11th, he gets some transaminitis due to Calitra, but nothing fantastic. CRP, again, continues to increase, 90 and then 143. The absolute lymphocyte count generally, generally starts dropping. Next. Uh, on 13th, 13th of March, he desaturates. We put him on high flow mass, 5 liters. ABG under, under, under room air. Uh, is uh, is a bit uh, a bit hypoxic because as you can see an uh, ABG and the room error PO2 is 55 uh, PO2 is 55 in the room air but bicarb is normal lactate is 1.7 so we intubate him right so this time around we start him straight away on interferon interferon beta and as you can see uh, uh, below his CRP is 218 at that time um, and so we are worried whether this deterioration is because of um, secondary bacterial infection. Okay, and so we add on an IV antibiotic, IV testosterone. So he's given antivirals and antibiotics. At that juncture, we're not sure whether is this deterioration because of the virus progressing or is it because of uh, a secondary bacterial infection. Um, we have done some studies on patients um, earlier. Um, uh, some of the patients we sent, we sent the lymphocyte counts, the NK cells, and the, and we found that many of these patients have, the sick patients at least, have T lymphocytes. Uh, B lymphocytes and NK cells were normal. And so these people do have some amount of immunosuppression uh, because of low lymphocytes. And so, so there, there was a possibility that they could have secondary infections. We did do a procalcitonin. By now, we, we, we simply procalcitonin, and uh, the procalcitonin was 0 0.85. So, as you know, procalcitonin is less than 0 0.5 means it is not bacterial infection. Uh, 0 0.5 to 2, uh, it's, it's either SERS or bacterial infection. More than 2 means uh, it's fairly substantial bacterial infection. So, here CRP is 0 0.85, while the, sorry, procalcitonin is 0 0.85, while CRP is 2218. Next. So, we, uh, so we study on, uh, um, initially we studied on tesosin. As you can see down there, his CRP continues to go up, goes up to more than 300. Um, and his procalcitonin now is uh, more than two. Uh, and his creatinine has also gone up to 512. And so here we, we, we change him to change him to miropenem because we're worried we are, maybe this, we are dealing with purely a sepsis problem rather than a viral problem, a secondary bacterial infection. Next slide. Okay, so this chest, we can see these chest x-rays there. The places where there was some ground glass opacity sort of progressing further uh, to become frank consolidation. That's what you see in these x-rays. Last time, the ground glass opacity is amazing in the lower zones and uh, 
uh, frank consolidation in the same areas. So this day 13 of Illinois. Next slide. Okay. So on 16th, we 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 starting on inotropes. Uh, his CRP continues to be more than 300. And you can see his procalcitonin going up 2.84, 7.38, 10.64. So we think this is now, based on at least what we know so far, we now think uh, this is a patient who has primary COVID uh, infection, but subsequently uh, he is getting a secondary bacterial infection. So he's not behaving like the first person, this patient, right? The first patient, we, we intubated him for two days and he, he recovers and he gets better. But while this, the difference is, uh, you know, he continues to, he needs inotropes, uh, his creatinine continue to get worse. Next. So on 17th, we start him on, start him on uh, dialysis and, uh, and, uh, and creatinine is uh, now 824. Uh, and so we start him on dialysis. The lymphosecum is still, still low. And still, he's currently he's still in our ICU, ventilated, with very low settings. We are able to convert the CRRT to a sled. The ventilatory settings are low, uh, and I think, uh, I think bearing any other infection, he should, he should pull through too. Next. Next slide. Okay, this is X-rays um, uh, further down. I think this is latest, uh, latest X-ray on uh, yesterday, yesterday. Next, in the next right? So, uh, so FAO two only zero point five now. He's on sled uh, as of as his blood pressures are better and he can tolerate sled. CRRT is being stopped. Next, okay, and this is X-ray further down. Next, okay, these are his enzymes as you can see here. Blood results. His alkaline phosphate is normal. ALT is normal, amylase is uh, also normal, um, creatinine kinase is also normal, and so most other organs are not involved in this in this And uh, I've got some more values. CRP, as I mentioned earlier, our values are a bit different, milligrams per deciliter, and so it's more than 300. Uh, it's more than 300. Um, uh, the troponin I is slightly increased. Uh, LDH is increased, but uh, there, other than that, uh, bilirubin is 79, it's high. Uh, protein is 50, and, uh, and urea, as you all know, is high in this patient. And so uh, not much involvement of other organs, so only kidney and, and lung is in this situation. Next. Uh, this I, I've showed you earlier, the, the counts, uh, this latest counts. The white cell count is 10,600. Uh, his platelet count is normal, 368. And his uh, absolute lymphocyte count is still low, 0 0.6. is still low, 0 0.6. Okay, next. Uh, as mentioned earlier, we were suspecting infection from him, but we couldn't grow anything. Uh, black cultures on the 6th and the 13th are no growth. Um, aspirate, um, uh, CNS on the 13th is no growth. And his COVID, uh, COVID results, huh? So our first result on the 14th, nine days later, still positive. I'm sure we will have repeated one uh, shortly and we're still waiting for the results. And so after nine days, it's still positive. Next. Okay, 
So that's that's the data. That's what that's how we have treated our first few patients. Yeah? First few, all of them got Keletra when they have when they had moderate illness, uh, and, um, and when when they become they continue to worsen while with Keletra, we have we had handed uh, a second drug, and uh, a second drug in these patients has been uh, subcutaneous interferon. Okay, this study is just published yesterday, uh, which. Keletra in a similar setting that we are using now, right? Severe um, uh, COVID-19, they're using it, right? And that, what did they find? Next slide. They found it's not useful. So they found what we have found so far, okay? Uh, they found that um, Keletra, uh, Lopinavir, Lopinavir, monotherapy in, in moderate to severe disease. We don't know whether it makes a difference when we start very early, right from day one, but if we start we had started earlier, um, like as soon as they get, they need oxygen, or as soon as we, they have some pneumonia, we start them on on lopinavir, ritonavir, caletra. It is not useful. Uh, there's no between that and control. Next slide. Um, neither did he do anything for the viral loads. Uh, no difference whether you gave a control or or, or caletra viral loads. And so, so sort of we have, which we have actually even before the study is published, we have actually changed our practice now and. Use um, lopinavir, ritonavir, monotherapy after those first few patients uh, who continue to treat after after treatment. Next, okay. So, what do we know so far? So, from the two cases. Uh, so, first thing we know that many many of these patients come in very well. Just URTI-like symptoms with fever, nothing else. Uh, and day seven to day ten is where they turn ill. If somebody has to turn ill, they happen to do that in seven to 10. So we all know dengue parlance very well. And so if you use that, the critical phase for COVID-19 is actually day seven to day 10. And then what are the signs that, that patient deteriorates? We think these are the signs. So again, using the dengue, dengue story, these we think are the warning signs. Uh, somebody lethargic, um, uh, Somebody who's got a persistent fever or recurrent fever. Somebody who's got dropping uh, acute lymphocyte count. And somebody whose CRP is slowly, uh, gradually increasing. These are us for us warning signs. We still don't know which one of them are more useful than the other. We have seen patients like, for example, um, having all these symptoms and then and then the, the doctor comes and says, I, I get alarmed, alarmed with these with the results. And then the doctor comes says, no, 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 he's eating pizza, he's very well there, sitting there and eating pizza. So, uh, maybe these guys won't progress. And so we don't know which one of these are, are the ones that are really important, but, but these are the ones to watch out for. And uh, you cannot, just like dengue, you can't act on any one of them. You have to put them all together and, and make a decision whether it's significant. How do you know the patient's deteriorating? Uh, this is what we do. Every time we go in to see a patient, these, these are three things that we do. To One is ask them for exertion dyspnea. When you go to the toilet and come back, do you feel short of breath? When you stand up and walk, do you feel short of breath? You know, we ask for progressive exertion dyspnea. And if they have yes, we'll ask them, is it worse compared to yesterday or is it better compared to yesterday? The second thing we look at is for dropping SpO2. We look at um, whether the SpO2 is dropping. The third thing is we look at the respiratory rate for one minute. Make sure the respiratory rate is correctly done. As you all know, respiratory rate is is is, is the least uh, reliable, least accurate vital signs because we don't do it very well. 
So that we count. So we use three parameters to look for deterioration because most deteriorations are the second point I want to mention is uh, this uh, is about the risk factors, right? Um, um, so these are the data from China, China CDC that uh, includes some almost uh, 50, over 45,000 patients, uh, data from 45,000 patients. So what I want to show you is this, uh, look at uh, the fourth column. The fourth column is case fatality rate. Okay, the fourth column is case, case fatality rate. If you look at the fatality rate column, um, as you can see, at, at, it, at 60 years and above, 60 years and above, the case fatality rate goes up to 3.6. While if you are a 40-year-old guy, the case fatality is 0 0.4. Uh, on the other hand, if you're 80 years old, the case fatality rate is 15, 15%. So age is a big component of case fatality rate. And the other thing, of course, like, like anything else, um, guys are endangered species, and so guys tend to get <laughs> sick uh, faster. So as case fatality rate, guys are more than the, uh, more than, is it because of uh, uh, smoking or not, we don't know. Uh, but but males do a, uh, have a higher case fatality. And then the other thing is, huh? you can look at conditions. Huh? If you have no comorbids, your case fatality rate is 0 0.9. So let's say one. So if you have hypertension, your case fatality is six times higher. If you have a cardiovascular disease, it is 10 times higher. And so the second thing is, of course, this, um, it's comorbid conditions. Huh? If you have comorbid condition, case fatality rate is higher. The last uh, rows, the uh, last few rows, uh, if somebody becomes critically ill, meaning, uh, so the ones that I showed you earlier, those who require supplemental oxygen are ones who are severe. Critically ill are ones that go into ICU. The case fatality is 49%. And so whatever therapeutics that we're going to do, it is to prevent patients from going into critical phase because once they go into critical phase, the mortality rate is very high. And, and, and so we need to act on it. Uh, as, as, we, as we probably know, most of those who end up in, uh, in end up critically ill will be the elderly and those with comorbids. And that's why the, the case fatality rate is high. Part disease, part the host. Next. So based on all this, this is how, this is how we classify, classify our patients. Okay. So we, Category one are asymptomatic. Category two are symptomatic, but they have no pneumonias. Category three are pneumonias, but not requiring oxygen. So uh, we could we could come up with some uh, some criteria there if you want for if you want. Yeah, we are doing clinical trials like you know, SpO two less than ninety three percent on room air, on room air and all this stuff. But but patients who do not require oxygen. The category four is pneumonia that requires supplemental oxygen. So the the Keletra study that I showed you earlier in NEJ yesterday was done on category four patients, pneumonia patient requiring supplemental oxygen. So in this, we now know if you were to start Keletra in category four, it is not useful. And, it, and my, our two patients showed us that. We started them on category four, Keletra monotherapy. They continue to deteriorate while in Keletra monotherapy. Category five is pretty Okay, next. Okay. The drugs that have been tried in uh, in uh, in, um, in COVID, uh, has been tried. 
uh, in the dose of two tablets twice a day. Chloroquine has been tried the milligram twice a day. Hydroxychloroquine has been tried uh, dose of 200 uh, twice a day. Interferon beta 1b uh, has been tried uh, in 250 micrograms uh, every other day for seven doses. These are drugs that we, we do use currently. Ribavirin, there are a few doses, a few different dosing regimes that have been used currently. Favipiravir, Favipiravir is actually is a Japanese drug. It is now approved. Uh, so I think probably it's the first approved drug in, in, under, under any FD. China has approved this drug for, for use uh, in, um, uh, for COVID-19, probably the first approved drug in any FDA currently. Um, uh, Remdesivir is a drug from Gilead, um, which, is, which has been used for Ebola. And it seems to be the most promising drug for, for COVID, if you can get access to it. But, um, and we have tried, I think uh, Malaysia won't get access to it for the time, for the time being. Uh, because uh, uh, because of various reasons, so I don't think remdesivir is now in our in our armamentarium currently for the next the, the foreseeable future. Favipiravir is something that we will try and acquire. We are trying to ask people to bring it in. So currently, which that might be a drug that, that we might get access to in the future. So currently, we will have to play with any of the five drugs in different combination. Ask ourselves which one works. Okay. Uh, next. Excellent. So uh, I, I didn't put it as a, sorry, go back, right? Okay. I, I've not put my, my treatment regime as a slide because um, I'm just worried if I, if I put it today, tomorrow, it will change it. Okay. So I'll tell you what, what we are currently doing here, right? Okay. Um, go back, go back to the three, next slide. Okay. So, so if somebody has pneumonia and not requiring oxygen, uh, this is where we will start our treatment. So what did I tell you before? I told you that uh, number one, people with comorbids and elderly do badly. Second thing I told you is, if somebody has got fever, uh, is, is fever is, is one of the warning signs. Uh, we, we, fever is a warning sign. Uh, in people who've got no, comor no comorbids or people who are young, most of these viral pneumonia patients have very strong fever response. But in the elderly, as, as in any other medical conditions, or people got multiple comorbids, the fever is not very prominent. And so, so, so the fever is a, is a good marker in, in some age groups, may not be a good marker in some age groups, which is nothing unusual. It depends on anything in, in, our, in clinical medicine, the same thing. In any sepsis, problem. fever is not a good marker, in, uh, is not a reliable marker for severe sepsis. And so, so based on the fact that the risk factors that we have, risk factors age, you use age more than 60, and we use any of the comorbid factors. If somebody has got a risk factor, these people are going to do badly. So these patients, we will give them, in stage three, we will give them treatment. Pneumonia not requiring oxygen. So chest x shows opacity, they don't require oxygen, we will give them uh, antivirals. The antivirals currently that we are planning to use is Calectra plus hydroxychloroquine. We still want to study this combination and see whether it is safe because we want to make sure the, all these drugs prolong QT intervals. So we need to check whether it's safe or not. So currently, this group three, we will start them on Calectra or, or hydroxychloroquine. If somebody as young, no comorbids, 
we would want to see for, look for fever. If they have fever and stage three, we on treatment. If they have fever, if they have fever, uh, if they don't have fever, we may not start them on uh, on chloroquine. And so what we do is we divide stage three and stage four into two categories: three A, three B. Three A means afebrile, three B means febrile. So if it's three B, we will give them on treatment if they have no risk factors. If they have risk factors, we will treat them at three A itself. Okay. So three A, three B. Three A means afebrile. Three B means febrile. So if you have no risk factors, we will wait for three B before we treat. If they have risk factors, we'll start them at three A. The drug that we use is Keletra and hydroxychloroquine. While on these treatment, if they continue to get ill, we will add a third antiviral, which can be interferon, as whatever, whatever, depending on the supply. In Sunebulu, we tend to tend to use uh, tend to use interferon, but uh, in where it's not available, people use the beverage. Three antivirals for ill. That's a treatment regime now. Once we have bit more, bit more, how these drugs are available, uh, we will we will soon release a, a consensus uh, a document after discussing with all IV physicians in the country and other relevant people. So this is what we do currently as treatment. Um, that's it. That's all. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. I think uh, we have uh, now about uh, half an hour has gone. So we would open for discussion and the paper that um, uh, Suresh has referred to, we eventually have the learning point plus the references and we will come up with a tutor which is the same name this COVID. So we have in tutor a shared to all the public we say these are the local experience. So we open for question and also sharing from the, all the other sites out there. And can you identify who to talk first, right? Maybe you can talk. The combination, maybe my question is, do you have dengue? In Thailand, they have of COVID with dengue. And you know dengue is endemic. Uh, so have you any concern? Uh, we have seen patients, um, Singapore also shown uh, as reported it. We have patients who have dengue serology positive, but later turn out to have COVID-19. So is it dengue or is it uh, is it COVID? We don't know yet. So it could very well be just COVID, COVID, and uh, the serology is turning positive. Shalini. 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 You can type your question. Is that okay? Uh, okay, maybe type. Maybe that question. No question. So, so we, um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. you can hear. Okay, uh, there are actually two questions. One is actually asking, uh, do we know the direction of treatment? 
you know the duration of treatment ah uh, uh, so it's it's less than 14 days um, traditionally it's about 10 to 14 days but not more than 14 days one case to have hemolysis ah uh, no no hemolysis we never they had hemoglobin no drop in hemoglobin all the specificity for rtpcr being used <laughs> um obviously obviously it very much depends on um, how you swap um, second question is what is the gold standard uh, because our gold standard is still rt pcr and um, uh, i presume the labs went through a big learning curve to do rt pcr initially all the rts were verified by imr and once they are confident only then only then they were allowed to do it la huh? so the answer to your question there is that, that's the goal that we don't have anything else to use um, uh, the more important question is can rt pcr be negative and then and then we kai can still have covid yes we had one patient who was only now recovering from uh, from a bad covid 19 we took 6 days to diagnose him because the first swab was negative second swab but is by now we are able to recognize a clinical picture that looks like covid white cell count low dropping the white chest x rays are multifocal peripheral opacities so based on that we didn't believe the swab the negative so third one we sent a sputum and so when he got a sputum the sputum was positive so the lesson for us is uh, by the second week of disease if we can if somebody can produce sputum sputum is superior to swabs okay the first week of disease maybe the swabs are better by second week of disease somebody can produce somebody has got a pneumonia somebody can produce a sputum you don't need to send a swab a sputum is superior um, test the medicine needed uh, for renal adjustment or liver adjustments calatra and interferon doesn't need uh, both with the drugs that we need they need that. yeah ஒரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ்ரிடிஸ
I can take a swab. I, I, I was, we just used to joke with our doctors, you know, please take a swab in a way that the swab becomes negative. Uh, because you can take a lousy swab, swab can be negative. And then one week later, you can take, you can take a proper swab and the proper swab can become positive. And so I've not heard of any, anybody becoming sick with reinfection, but we hear about um, patients getting after swab negative, they become swab positive. But I think it is intermittent or, or, or the first swabs. Um, we are all our discharge patients. We are, more, we, are, we are bringing them back for day seven and day fourteen, and we are swabbing them just for the first few patients to see whether there is really reinfection. Singapore said they also not seeing. Um, uh, how often do we do? Uh, we are slowly decreasing the number of um, uh, monitoring of OPS. Uh, serology we don't do, right? Serology we don't do. Um, um, and I can tell you, because of talking about serology now, um, I can tell you that um, uh, the, the RT-PCRs, rapid, sorry, the rapid test kits that are available out in the market, our current opinion is they're all useless tests, shouldn't be used. Um, uh, we shouldn't use those kits for routine diagnostic purposes. And so serology we don't use for use in our, in our diagnosis uh, of COVID-19 currently. Right? Uh, the PCRs we, we do uh, we do at weekly intervals or, or, or seven, at, at, seven, at every 72 hours or at one week intervals. And once they become negative, we repeat after 24 hours. So once they, once they come into a hospital, we might do it anywhere from 72 hours to every 72 hours to every week, weekly. And once they've improved and one test negative, it will be 24 hours later. 24 hours results negative, they can go home. Two, two results, 24 hours apart, negative, can go home. Does recovery come for immunity? I don't have the answer to that yet. Uh, we have not had yet. Um, yeah, that's something that I have to ask uh, Dr. Go whether uh, she will be interested uh, in convincing the TCM arm of NIH to do a study with the, with the Chinese drug that has already been used. Yes. So there's a group of uh, doctors and we have pharmacists who are trained in TCM. They're exploring it. Um, uh, if you do a clinical trial manner, it takes some time with the protocol. So there may be some case study intervention. If anyone interested, uh, you contact me and pick up a group. But uh, Swaran Jaya CRC team will be looking to that. Hey, hey, Joyce, you should be looking for neurological presentation. I've not looked at it closely. I'm looking only at, at neural as respiratory. I have not heard of neurology presentation so far, but there might be something in fine print that I have. Uh, if a patient is, should we stop? Uh, most international guidelines are saying not to stop. Um, um, we, in our clinical, we, we are planning to collect some data to look at this too. Uh, how many patients on AC inhibitors uh, uh, currently and how uh, the current guidelines say don't stop pacing until they already on it. Uh, any role for ARDS, metalpred, yeah, we, we don't know the answer to it. So I think there is a small group of patients who will benefit from not high dose steroids, uh, you know, yeah, steroids, some benefit of steroids because there is some patients who have cytokine release syndrome, uh, CRS. Uh, the trick is to decide who it is. So we are still learning and uh, we are planning to do some studies to look at who needs steroids. That's a question. That's a clinical question that we need to answer. Uh, so if a patient with asymptomatic is day one to seven of illness, how frequent do you monitor LDH, CRP? LDH? So 
if asymptomatic, um, uh, we will still do um, at least a full blood count. Huh? We will do the full blood count at least uh, at least daily or every other day. Um, but chest uh, X-rays we do only when necessary. Uh, the full blood count we might do more often. The CRPs also we don't do that often. We are um, any evidence of high? Yeah, I've not. We have not tried it. We have not tried it because because those are where this, this I showed you earlier. The first case, despite what we gave, he got better by himself. We know that you know Calatra never works. Uh, we know he got better with interferon so fast. So you should be very careful when you use this therapy on 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 conditions where self-limiting in their mild disease. So if you are giving somebody a treatment in a mild disease patient, it has to be in a trial setting. Otherwise, you are treating somebody who is going to get better anyway. So that's why we are avoiding uh, giving drugs in disease uh, without, uh, we, if, if you are not in a clinical trial setting. Age is reported. Any, yeah, we have age for all these patients. Many of these patients are, um, the current, current cohort, uh, the latest cohort that we have from the public group are older. And that's the reason why we have a... AG, right, not age. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> um, AG, uh, uh, gastroenteritis. There is some, some patients have diarrhea, but once we start them on Calatra, everybody has diarrhea, then it becomes very tricky for us, right? Tricky for us to do. And so a lot of patients have diarrhea, it's probably because of Calatra. Um, yes, yes, that's what we want to do. Uh, at stage one or two, I think with help from, uh, with lots and lots of help from NIH, uh, uh, we will probably embark on a, on a study to look at the starting patients on stage one and two to prevent deterioration, which has been a study setting. Without a study setting, if you do, we will never know whether it works or not. Encephalopathic uh, or reduced disease, would this be a complication? We have not seen anybody with them. We intubate them very early. Um, we intubate these patients very early uh, because we don't want crash intubation. And we don't want to go in very often into the room to, to, to sort these things out. First few days, we sedate them and sometimes even paralyze them, right? And so we may not pick up encephalopathy or reduce GCS uh, in these patients uh, if they had one uh, because, we are, because the, the lung takes over and we treat the lung. So we don't know the answer to this, right? Um, how to approach, uh, there is no history of contact with screen or level of PPT use, right? Okay. Um, um, <laughs> so you're moving away from COVID-19, right? But um, I agree with you. Um, we want hereafter to have a pneumonia cubicle. I think Dr. Mahiran has come up with a, with a, with a, um, uh, with a guidelines yesterday. Dr. Mahiran has come up with a guideline yesterday. So what we want to, Give, put a universal treatment, a PPE for all pneumonia patients. Okay, all pneumonia patients um, uh, admitted, we should have a basic PPE. The basic PPE is um, is um, surgical mask, uh, gown, and eye cover. Okay, that's what we should do for all pneumonia patients, right? And then there was some difference of opinion. Some of us might start sending. COVID-19 for all admitted pneumonia patients for the time being to see whether there's COVID-19. Some said uh, they will send only for those, uh, they will send COVID-19 tests for routinely for people who've got pneumonia and the pneumonia looks wild. How do you know pneumonia looks wild? The white cell count is normal. 
CRP is not high or, or lymph counts low. So any of this has, as it looks viral, then we'll send for COVID-19. But we should start sending COVID-19 tests in patients who have got, who do not have PUI definition. We have to start sending more. Um, positive dengue serology, I've also read uh, false positive. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> we still have another uh, for five minutes. Okay, minutes. fine. Okay. <laughs> okay. The question of dengue, yeah. right? Uh, you know, I think I think um, um, in in COVID nineteen the platelet count never goes down that low. It doesn't go down that low. You know, it's it's. 150, 190, and all that. So if, if somebody's got a double-digit platelet count, and um, I would think rather than COVID, uh, number one. And number two, you know, respiratory symptoms are not very common in dengue, right? COVID, number two. And then number three, um, 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 by hemoconcentration, I will look out for hemoconcentration. Anyway, in febrile phase in dengue, you're not supposed to give much fluids. So I don't think uh, fluid is a big issue in, uh, in uh, to different. COVID and dengue. I think clinically you can manage to differentiate them. Uh, uh, we don't know, but uh, but the guys that we saw, a uh, lot of miraculously very fast, but I presume uh, they will have some exertional dyspnea. Uh, any benefit for starting beta interferon early? We don't know the answer to it. It's an expensive drug. I don't think they're widely available. So whenever we choose a drug, we have to ask ourselves, can we, is it available in huge quantities? Otherwise, then it's not worth uh, starting. I don't think any of us are planning to use beta interferon early. Okay, uh, we are study hydroxychloroquine. We are planning to study uh, other drugs, but we are not planning to study beta interferon early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are looking at it. We are looking at looking at H score. We are looking at all those things to see which is the best marker. So uh, currently, that's our that's that's our question um, that we are pursuing now. We want to pick up which patients have cytokine storm, and so which patient requires steroids. This is one that we are we're looking at it very hard currently, right? As we as we get more information, we will we will bring it up here. Uh, Somebody is asking me regarding uh, first episode of yeah. I have not seen one something like that. I have not seen one. Others can read this, isn't it? Can yes. Yeah, so I don't have to repeat yeah. the questions, right? But someone sharing experience there. Right, correct. I have yeah. not seen it. They yeah. have taken steroids and they seem to respond to that. I have not seen that. Uh, what are the alarm signs to consider intubation COVID-19? Um, not any alarm signs. I mean, we, we, we go for hypoxia. Once they're on face mask, we'll already refer NS and, uh, and get them ready. The deterioration can be very sudden. And so we, we tend to we tend to have a short threshold intubate because we don't want crash intubation. We want to intubate in a planned manner. And so we tend to intubate uh, earlier than uh, earlier than necessary if, because we just don't want to intubate. What would you advise for pneumonia patients and outpatient clinic now? Do you, do you have, do you have, yeah. What do we advise if we see pneumonia patient and outpatient clinic now? They only have a full black count. Yeah. I mean, full blood count will try to differentiate for you whether it's viral or bacterial. Uh, if it is viral, uh, then um, uh, normal white cell count and uh, and uh, low lymphocyte count. 
So you need to have a decision to make, right? Uh, one decision will be is uh, maybe this patient could have COVID. It very much depends on how much COVID you've seen in your, in your neighborhood. And you can always refer them for COVID testing. The other option is to follow what UK NHS does. If anybody's got a mild, mild URTI, they ask them to go home and, uh, and uh, isolate themselves. And if they fall sick, if they feel sick, they come back, they, we give them a way to so you could give them, um, you could treat them accordingly, but in the back of the mind, if it's nagging, that could be COVID, they go for testing, or you could give them, isolate themselves and give them a health alert card, a health alert card and, and HAT, health assessment tool that is available in the guidelines. Health alert card and health assessment tool. So when you give that, so we want them to come in, if they, if they, if they resolve by themselves, it's okay, they've isolated them so great they won't spread the disease you're okay if they had to turn ill they come into the hospital but if they're in hospital we will so in a hospital hospitalized pneumonia patients we want to test outpatient pneumonia patients need to go by ear and decide whether we can send them for isolation self-isolation themselves right uh, white cell count is normal or low uh, in addition to because if the white cell count is high uh, 20, 25,000 and, um, and, um, and um, um, you know, sepsis patient also there might be lymphopenia. Remember, the, the lymphopenia and low white cell counter is a useful marker in early COVID infections. If somebody is in ICU for a long time, they can have high white cell counts because that's not very really useful. So whenever we talk about full blood count to diagnose COVID, we're talking about it early, the first week of illness. Later in the disease, you can have High white cell counts. Regarding H2 scores, I'm, I'm asking you to hang on first. Don't give steroids. Uh, we, we need to know more before we use uh, H2 scores to, to decide on giving steroids in, uh, in, uh, in COVID 19. So don't, don't use H2 score to treat as yet. Uh, Sari cases turn out to be positive implementation to manage all side cases. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Uh, the word uh, that's why I'm telling earlier. So all pneumonia patients in the, in the hospitals, you have to have basic PPE. What is basic PPE? So WHO says surgical mask, eye cover, gum, gown, and a glove is enough. That's what WHO says. Uh, UK NHS says the same thing. Surgical mask, uh, eye cover, um, gown, and a glove. That's all you need to manage uh, COVID-19. Um, our setting, what we do is we, we, we do have use N95 mask when, 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 when we get to the room, a positive patient. And so we shouldn't extend it to all pneumonia patients. Then uh, risk stratification is not so great. So when I, when, I mean, when I mean full PP, I'm talking about surgical mask, eye cover, gown, and the glove. I think all pneumonia can be managed that way uh, currently. Okay. What kind of gown? Um, this Good question. So, so we have, we have, so let's look at gowns that we have. We have a, a, a apron that just doesn't, sleeveless, right? That is sleeveless. Then we have a, a apron, a water resistant apron. Um, it's got a cuff, a white color cuff. And third one, we have uh, again another plastic apron, uh, this plastic apron, which is, which has got a ring enough uh, to go around your thumb. These are three rounds we have, right? And so um, um, 
the plastic apron is not useful. The white apron is not useful. It is either the one with cuff or the one with blue gown. So in Sungai we are running, we are, we are getting short of gowns and so we are currently going towards the blue gown. The blue gown which has got a ring around your thumb. Uh, it is plastic, it is water resistant and so we are using that, we are using that as our gown. Um, how long do you want to be in the hospital? Once they are better, so, so we do, currently we are using viral loads, isn't it? We are using viral loads. If two consecutive, if the patients are really better, two consecutive viral loads are done. Um, uh, we, we, we do change, we, we do send them home now. Any scoring, uh, that's a scoring that we use, one, two, three, four, five, that's a scoring that we use currently, right? That's how we used to monitor our patients. So every day you go to awards now against every patient, there'll be a score. And every time our doctors know how to score these patients, uh, these are the scores, one, two, three, four, five. And for three and four, we have three A, three B, four A, four B, right? Uh, three BD, I think, um, uh, yeah, we're not sure whether it makes a difference. Uh, we, we are, we are, I personally think if you're using Keletra in a Riles tube patient, you should use syrup. Don't. Okay. If syrup is not available, then you have to do you have to do all sorts of things that there's got no evidence. The manufacturer's Keletra says, don't crush Keletra. If you crush Keletra, it doesn't work. Okay. So if you're using Keletra 3BD, um, then uh, know whether it works or not, right? Um, so currently, I think we have shifted back to syrup Keletra. The quarantine healthcare workers did COVID positive full PP, but later you are facing symptoms. Yes. Uh, if we give a lot of importance to um, to uh, PP and how we train them, so the way we work is um, every time we open up a new ward, we open so many wards and we open up. We have now we almost going to ninth ward now, so uh, going to the twelfth ward now. We've got twelve wards now. Every time you open a new ward. What we what we do is we will um, uh, we will train our nurses and one week of infection control link nurses will will observe every single person as they go in and come out. So we give importance to how the staff go in and come out, make sure there's no breaks in PPE. So with that kind of supervision, we are fairly confident that breaks in PPE are very rare. Right? So if that happens, what we do, we get URTS symptoms. We send them, we do swab them still. Uh, but we'll send them home and the soft negative and they're better, we bring them back. We don't keep them for 14 days uh, isolation because we think they don't fulfill the criteria for close contact. Uh, close contact, somebody who comes in contact with a patient without full PPE. Our patients always have full PPE. Uh, we are running low of PPE. Uh, I agree with you. In fact, we had a meeting with, uh, uh, with K, uh, our KSU, our, our Secretary General today, just today, and uh, they're all well aware of it. I think their PPE is on the way. Okay, so hang in there, PPE is on the way. But but we have now changed all our protocols to make sure the amount of PPE uh, we use is bare minimum. So now what we do is we line up all our patients, we go after one patient to another, one patient to another without changing PPE. So all of our patients are lined up. So we are doing ward rounds with the same PPE. So we don't change it. So we are coming up with lots and lots of methods to decrease our PPE utilization. All of you have to do the same thing. Um, when do we round? Should we change gowns between each patient? Yeah. 
very difficult question, huh, that one. Um, uh, do we change? I am proposing you, if you want, you can wear a plastic apron, the white apron, which are sleeves, and you can change that in between patients, and then, uh, and, and you have to change the glove, just glove and plastic apron between your pneumonia and sari patients. The, the, the other gown you can keep. This is what we do our, for our PUIs. When we, when we go and see our PUIs, they are, they're all in one, one place. We just change the plastic apron, change the glove, and do perform. Uh, yeah, we do ask them to be isolated, continue isolation for another 14 days. That's what we do. Okay. Can we use recycle? We have not reached such uh, desperate yet. So to prevent such desperation, uh, please, uh, we will be releasing soon a new infection control guidelines for PPE. Please follow that uh, and uh, that, that it works. Thanks. So uh, we do have uh, another half an hour. Uh, Woon and Ching Hoon, uh, can you uh, kind of allow some case sharing? We start with case sharing. I'm sure now most of you have cases in your hospital. Yeah, we are here to see, uh, uh, to all together, we, we did all teach and all learn concept. So if you have any cases to be shared, it would be wonderful. And um, while you are the other sharing, can you write down what are the topics or directing topics you would like to have for the next session, for example, treating COVID-19 with diabetes or heart disease, things like that. I think this is what just one question I have. So do what do you want us to do? What CRC staff will do will uh, be we will go to literature, search the latest publication on this area, and we will have like 10 to 15 minutes of presentation with Suresh and the others give some feedback. So write that down uh, while we wait for others to, to share their cases. Anybody would like to share? Yeah, uh, this is for patients. Actually, I see a people. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like, if we're not going to get to the side, right? Because honestly, this one does not appear to be possible, especially cough. So, what do you think? Uh, so forever, uh, for who is uh, just now speaking, can you speak near to the mic because it's not very clear? Yeah. And also, to raise yourself as well, uh, from which hospital you are from, uh, then before you start with your case. You have that. I think there's some people that's new up recipes and how to. I don't know, I still have for good. Sorry, you're medical. Thank <laughs> you. 
Uh, 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 do you use submit to me and then give me the password here? I just case once I think I was first ever reply like because I I only got the link I posted it. Oh stop trying. Oh the chair the reason the highway scanning or was it crazy? The recent thing I cannot see here. Just let me review. I can finish the previous questions because let's start from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, we don't think we need shoe covers, so, so we're removing. So as I mentioned earlier, the new infection guidelines will come out soon. Shoe covers are going off. Um, uh, chlorhexidine bath, no, we don't need chlorhexidine baths. Uh, what we do is, um, <laughs> initially we used to bathe after every single patient. I I think the doctors found it too cold. Um, and, and, and our PPE is getting better. We, we are getting better with PPE. We get more confident with our PPEs. And so I think they finish off the whole rounds first. Huh? And um, next one is uh, how do you screen for? Okay. I think this is a repeated question that's being asked, right? Isn't it? Uh, I think you have to understand. I think we think there is community spread because we are starting to see more and more sporadic cases coming up. So every pneumonia that is coming into your hospital is potentially a, a COVID-19 patient. Right? And so that's why I'm asking, telling you now again, have a pneumonia cubicle where, where PPE is according to WHO guidelines, which is uh, surgical mask, apron, and uh, eye cover. And, uh, and uh, screen, screen them for COVID. Um, especially if they look like a viral pneumonia. So every, any, any patient, hospitalized pneumonia patient could be a COVID patient. Okay, and that's how you have to manage that. But don't go overboard with your PPE, right? Because follow WHO guidelines for PPE. Um, pregnant COVID patient, we are still learning. I think there is a pregnant patient that they have delivered. Deliver, yeah? deliver. They have done Caesar today and, uh, and uh, we are learning, unfortunately, we are learning. Uh, from publications. From publications, uh, nothing is, a, is the infection control part. Uh, the, it doesn't get transmitted to the baby, uh, and nothing special with regards to pregnancy and COVID. It is an infection control part rather than anything else. Uh, we can send you the, what we'll do is we'll do, we'll, we'll send a PDF of the slides because somehow uh, the, the x rays, the names are still seen. Oh. Huh? Uh, the, the x rays, the names are still seen. We will send you the PDF of the slides over to you, no problem. Maybe okay? we can just take out We'll see how. Fine, we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, materials, okay, fine. And uh, in fact, in fact, uh, yeah, if you're still interested, uh, you know, um, uh, NIH can sure can give you a link to some of the some of the reading materials that you have. Uh, we can collect it. Yeah, as I said, uh, at the end of this session, a team of uh, CRC researcher and doctors will summarize what Suresh has just spoken because she has shared with he has shared with us so much of things that we cannot find in uh, journal. It's clinical experience. So we are going to compile important one. In batches, we are we are thinking of what media. At first, we have, we have created a tutor, but looks like the information will be more. We either go by pieces, piecemeal, and send out. So uh, stay tuned. We will inform you what media we are going to share. What all uh, has been discussed.
plus some of the references, literature that Suresh mentioned, or, or like clinical outcome. Today's topic is basically about clinical presentation, treatment, and outcome. So we do have some papers on that. So we will decide on the media to share with you. This, uh, this session is also being recorded. Uh, so people who miss the session, we also will think of a mean to share with you. As uh, we are in Sungai Buloh and Kesa Sungai so we would need to be very careful about confidentiality. So we will only share with people whom we know and we trust you to be shared among us and not outside the medical uh, groups. Uh, PUI guideline for clinic, I think uh, we have, I've asked the public health when they are bringing it out. Uh, when next video conferencing, we will see how it goes. <laughs> Cross match, yeah, this is a problem. Huh? Right, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it is not a blood bond virus. Uh, we have, um, uh, because, um, you know, when, when we had needle stick injuries and one, one time we were, we were almost about to start steroid for a patient, we were very worried. We actually sent a serum for COVID-19 for three patients and all three patients came back as negative. Uh, it is not blood borne, but I can understand the fear in everybody. Um, we, I think we'll have to sit with blood bank and, and discuss this issue about group and cross-match. I think they don't want to do it. And I, I think in the, in, the, in the days to come, we will sit with them and discuss this. Okay. Uh, vitamin C, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, we, it has to be a clinical trial to decide whether to use vitamin C or not. Um, as I mentioned earlier, if you are, if you, if you are, many of these type, many of these drugs are better started early, not late. But when you start a drug early in a disease that is self-limiting, it has to be done in a trial setting. Otherwise, we will never know whether we are just giving a, a placebo or whether we're giving a treatment. Uh, can we have the current video of your talk? I, I'm told we will try and record it and send to you. Rapid test is useless. A PCR test turnaround time is so slow for many hospitals, especially big safe for the same price. Uh, yeah, 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 uh, good point. Uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this, is, this is what happens in a pandemic. Uh, we, uh, everything gets run out and we just have to uh, push on and, and try and see whether um, the labs are now working on ramping up their test. Uh, in the days to come, their tests will be, tests will be ramped up. Uh, the tests will be ramped up. Uh, testing will be ramped up. Hopefully the waiting time will decrease now. Um, uh, but PCR is only test we have, we don't have any other test currently. Um, what is the next question? Uh, would you, uh, sincere thanks for writing. Okay, thank you. Uh, do you think Malaysia will become Italy, Iran? Hope not, hope not. Uh, if, if all of us stay at home and uh, don't spread the disease. Uh, <laughs> you just have to come to work. <laughs> you have to come to work. Uh, then fine. Uh, yes, there are some papers saying that ibuprofen makes it worse, but which is okay because we don't use that much ibuprofen in our country. And so, which is not a big deal, but uh, there are other countries where, like UK, I think they use, use a lot more ibuprofen for the fevers. Um, uh, some data saying that uh, uh, it's not harmful, it's harmful. Yes, so we do, we have um, another like uh, 15 minutes. Uh, as I said, the, 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 uh, the system, I suppose your side, many of you are new in mute. We would like someone to share next time from your side because this is called sharing, case sharing. It's not only from Sungai Bulu out. You may have different uh, experience that can be shared with other people. So uh, we will try one more time. You can uh, indicate to the coordinator, Ching Hun, to see if you want to talk, then we can, we can unmute you. 
Meantime, as I said, I do want your feedback for the next session. This will be every Thursday. If not, today, someone else among the, his colleague or elsewhere, you can actually take the lead. What CRC can do is we need to know who and you send your slides. Meantime, from that presentation, we hope to have a didactic topic. So let's say if next week you want to talk about COVID patients with diabetes, we do have some paper published on COVID with uh, NCD. Uh, as well as hypertension, diabetes, heart disease. So that will be our focus. So we do need uh, to 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 up to for you. Maybe Suresh can can indicate to your colleague else else out there to, to to give the type of cases, and we have a focus of discussion. You want it to be more focused, uh, also around those videos. Today is very general because today first one, and it's very important from clinical presentation management to outcome, and also on prevention. So, so, and many of your practical problems running down a short, a low stock on, on, on gowns, on masks, even on the swab. Uh, so, so that, that's, that's our concern. But I was told MKK is already 200 swabs, 200,000 swabs, so it should be here soon. Um, things like that. Any other questions? Okay. Um, no, I mean, uh, we didn't see much liver problems in the COVID patients, but there, it is reported that it can affect the liver. We have not seen yet. Uh, and so paracetamol usual doses shouldn't be a problem. Uh, can I have even address no problem? I think I'm sure somebody will pass it to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Your and, personal email address or department or yeah. Greg Rappen? No, I think you're asking for email yeah. address. Uh, uh, and say it's a contraindicated. Uh, yeah, I presume it'll, 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 if we say for ibuprofen, it should extend to other NSAIDs currently. Okay, and I think we have to say all NSAIDs for time being. Any, uh, any sharing from, from out there? We have about 27 sites uh, listening to this and also I think colleagues from UKM. Uh, as well, and UM will join uh, the following week. Yes, we hear you. No, that's you. It's <laughs> Well, if none, then we may uh, stop this. Everybody's busy. I know it's lunchtime. So thank you very much, Suresh, and all the others. Um, do give us feedback in whatever means. Uh, you know, uh, th there's an email that you can write to. Uh, we will let you know a same way of uh, registering. Maybe a better way uh, for next week, same time, next Thursday. Uh, yeah, I can type a question there. Minimum protection as endoscopies should have on before doing OGDS colonoscopy to stop immunosuppression drugs. Two questions. Okay. Um, Endoscopy, so we, we discussed this because um, endoscopy doesn't go into the airways. Uh, so anything that goes into the airways will become, will become uh, um, um, aerosol generating, right? So if you, if you go past the larynx, it's aerosol generating. So once aerosol generating, it is airborne. Um, and so if it's airborne, then um, it's N95. So if, it's not, if you're not passing the trachea, then it's droplet. Uh, but you can always argue that the patient might cough into you and all that stuff. And so if I were you, I would, I would have an eye protection for endoscopy, uh, be it a visor or a goggle, N95 mask, a gown, 
and glove that will be my PPE. And so N95 mask, um, eye protection, a visor, a gown, and a glove. Uh, immunosuppressant drugs, I don't, we don't know the answer to that. I've not seen one with immunosuppression, but uh, traditional uh, teaching is, uh, you know, if, if the patient is doing well, don't stop. The patient is deteriorating, then stop. I have a question for ophthalmologists. They were asking because the mucosa nose mouth. How about uh, first thing is tears transmission. What precaution eye doctor need to do when checking patient when they touch you know, the nose? And make sure they don't cough into you. Um, so uh, maybe maybe offer them a mask. Maybe because you'll be in very but close. The lamp is, yeah, yeah quite sit close. close to you. Maybe maybe offer them a mask. Um, uh, first and then uh, you, 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 you can, yeah, that's, that's the most important thing. The most important thing is um, if, uh, if, if, uh, if they are sick, they should wear a mask and, uh, and then uh, if you can't, if you can't ensure that, then uh, you could wear, you could wear a surgical mask. Before, so. And also I think some ophthalmology now they have self-made some shield to protect mm, their eyes and mouth. Yeah, yeah. So I think out there ophthalmologists, you can tell ophthalmologist friend, because we, when we examine patients and ENT doctors as well, we come very close to the patients and accidentally they may cough. So have some nurse, either private eye doctor, have a nurse who do some screening outside, ask some patients. If they are sick, I think uh, give them a mask or, or you be more careful about yourself. So cover your face with some plastic. You can take some plastic thing, make an eye shield at the dental. Face shield is called, mm -hmm. right? Face yeah. shield. Well, is coronavirus found in tears? Uh, not that I know. Not, not that I know of. Okay. So I think any other questions? One. So if not, <laughs> we will call it today. Yeah. Thank you very okay, much. Thanks. Thanks. Any precaution for dental people? Somebody asked. Are uh, you answer? <laughs> Same PPE. Yeah. I think dental treatment, they are quite specific now. So only for emergency, meaning to relieve pain or infection, they could always avoid routine dental care by just uh, maintaining preventive care, essentially to keep the mouth clean. And uh, certain chlorhexidine is helpful if you need that. Uh, in terms of precaution, PPE is standard for all healthcare pro providers. So the same thing applies, gloves, goggles, facial masks, and gown as needed as necessary. Okay, thank you. We are practicing social distancing. Each of us are one meter away. I hope you do the same. And uh, we see you. Bye. Bye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 Actually, uh, I have. Yes. Do you have some food or not? Okay, so we finished, so we talk about that.